In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Politically Georgia podcast, where we bring you news and analysis from all the latest Georgia shenanigans in Congress and under the Gold Dome. And today I'm joined by Maya Prabhu, an AJC's capital correspondent who has been covering every wrinkle, every twist and turn of the battle over the so-called heartbeat ban. Um, and today she had the biggest scoop of the of of of, uh, of the last few weeks in this case, which is the lawsuit that was filed by ACLU and a bunch of its allies challenging the so-called heartbeat ban. Yeah, so today the um, ACLU filed their lawsuit um, with the lead plaintiff being Sister Song, Women of Color Reproductive Justice Collective, something that they said was um, very important in having um, this group that advocates for women of color in Georgia as the lead plaintiff because their argument is that having these types of bans on access to abortion disproportionately affects women of color, low-income women, and women in rural parts of Georgia. And so they filed that lawsuit today along with Planned Parenthood and several other abortion providers in Georgia um, asking the court to do a temporary um, halt to the bill going into effect Mm -hmm. in January, as well as just saying outright that you know, this violates the Constitution as set by um, judicial precedent through the Supreme Court's ruling in Roe versus Wade. And this was there was never any sort of suspense or surprise about a lawsuit coming. Critics of the legislation had promised from the get go, I mean, from, from the time that the bill was even introduced, essentially, that if it passed, there would be a legal challenge. And it doesn't go into effect till January 1st anyway. So there's plenty of time. But I think one of the biggest questions was the timing of this, because in other states, you saw the, the legal challenges coming shortly after the, the bill was signed into law. In this case, Governor Kemp signed into law, I don't know, it seems like about two months ago or so. Um, it's taken a, a little bit of time. Uh, did they explain uh, why it's taken uh, this this long? So there's a couple of reasons. You know, part of it you mentioned the law doesn't go into effect until January, and so there was no real rush. In some of the other states, it was um, immediately. In Kentucky, it was um, you know upon signature. Mm-hmm. Uh, the law there was supposed to go into effect in other states were things like 30 days, 60 days. Um, and so I think this almost seven month gap um, gave them some time to really put together what they say is a, is a strong case as to why this law should be thrown out. And then 
another thing that we have in Georgia that wasn't in other states um, was inclusion of what they call, um, what um, anti-abortion groups like to call personhood language that extends rights to um, a fetus once a heartbeat is detected. So that was done through allowing for or making it so that the state would count um, a fetus toward the state's population or you know, a mother could um, collect child support um, once a heartbeat is detected in a fetus. And so those type of intricacies were something that lawyers for the ACLU had to address in their lawsuit as well. Now, you've been covering every facet of this debate, um, and you obviously expected this lawsuit but were there any surprises when you saw it come kind of come across the transom? You know, it it, it was pretty straightforward. Um, I, I I would say one of the surprises may have been the um, centering of sister song. You know, women of color. Uh, I expected you know a group like NARAL or Planned Parenthood or maybe another abortion provider in Georgia to be. Um, listed as lead plaintiff, but um, they were very deliberate in making sure that Sister Song, Women of Color, was the lead plaintiff. Other than that, as far as the lawsuit itself, it was very, you know, very straightforward. They spoke a lot about the precedent that's been set um, multiple times in multiple um, lawsuits since 1973 when Roe was decided. Um, they spoke a lot about precedent and they, they spoke a lot about the um, the medical medical implications of what women would undergo if they lose access to um, abortion. And they also spoke a lot at length at how, you know, like I mentioned before, this is going to affect low-income women, women of color, women in rural areas more than women who live in um, metropolitan areas because many of them have the means to, you know, at least for now, go over to South Carolina where abortion is still legal up until 20 weeks or travel to other, another part of the country. Or Florida where, or, yeah. Exactly, um, that has uh, looser laws around abortion. And so they, they at length talked about, you know, this isn't, a real abortion ban. It isn't going to drop the number of abortions. They say that it's just going to um, send a lot of women into other states. That's interesting because that sort of reflects the political debate too. The critics of this legislation aren't just pitting it as an abortion issue. They're pitting it as a, a health issue, a health care issue. Is that why you think Sister Song was, was put in the center of this lawsuit? Uh, definitely. You know, they're, they're, they don't you know, uh, do abortions with their uh, with their work. Um, they are very much an advocacy group, and so it was important um, for you know the lawyers at the ACLU said it was important for them to make sure that Sister Song was at the front of this. So you're fresh off your minutes from away from the press conference that you just covered involving Sister Song and a, and a bunch of other groups in this alliance that filed the lawsuit. Um, what did you learn? You know, a, a lot of it was what was covered in, in, in the lawsuit. You know, they reiterated, like you said from before, the bill even was signed that they, they were planning to to see Governor Kemp in court was their refrain. And, you know, they have filed that lawsuit that 
that this is not something that's new. Um, they have fought uh, laws aiming to restrict access to abortion for years um, in Georgia and across the country, and that they were not going to stop fighting in the courts. And then also, you know, at the at the polls next year, there was. That's been a, a huge part of the discussion throughout. It wasn't as much today, but it was touched upon that, you know, next November they plan to support lawmakers who um, support um, access to abortion. And you've written extensively about that, about all the all the all the political battles this has, because there's there's a there's a big push in the state house to flip about 15 seats that could give democrats the majority in the state house and of course this is coming up prominently in the 6th and 7th district and to a degree it'll come up of course in the senate race in the presidential contest too um, that's going to be another fascinating subset of this because now that the legal battle has been engaged um, i'm wondering how much this changes the debate over business and economic development in Georgia, because kind of privately, a lot of these Hollywood studios where we're hearing from them saying once the legal case is started, it'll make it easier because then, you know, every time uh, a, a producer or an actor or a studio is, is gets pressured to boycott Georgia, they can just say, well, they can just point to the lawsuit and say, hey, there, there, there may be a remedy in court soon. Right. You know, and a, a lot of what we saw from businesses and, and folks in Hollywood with a lot of hedging, right? If this law goes into effect in January, then we'll have to re, we may have to reconsider our stance on doing business in Georgia. Um, you know, they knew this lawsuit was coming. I think a lot of people believe that at least at the, um, at the lower courts that, uh, judges will follow precedent and there will at least be a temporary, um, ban or block on this law going into place while it makes its way through the court system. And so once that happens, that's another way for businesses and folks in Hollywood to say like, hey, let's wait and see how this all shakes out before we do anything drastic. And speaking of lower court, we know the judge, the federal judge who will be handling the case is Steve Jones in the uh, Northern Judicial Circuit um, out of Athens, but often in Atlanta, always often in Atlanta. Um, he was an Obama appointee, um, and uh, it'll be really interesting to see how he handles the case. Um, I, I don't know if you've talked to any of the uh, if any of the uh, plaintiffs uh, addressed him as a judge and what they hope to see from him, um, but they have to be pretty. Um, uh, confident that, that he handled that he drew the case right I asked about the judge uh, you know what was said to me is that it's judge Jones for and for now that doesn't mean that that will be who here's just who's been assigned you know since we just dropped you know well not dropped off fi electronically filed the paperwork this morning um, you know that's who has been automatically assigned to it initially um, but from what I'm hearing from other folks in like the court circuit is that um, Judge Jones is, while an Obama appointee, is a little bit more of a of a conservative judge. So it could be interesting to see how how that all plays out. And very highly respected, um, a, a, a veteran uh, lawyer, of course. Um, very active. Side note: very active in the UGA Alumni Association. Deep roots in Athens in the Georgia legal community. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. He he also has handled some several of the voting rights cases too. So he was in the in the news all of last year. It seemed um, we talked a lot about what the coalition who's challenging the law 
has said, but what what are what are what does Ed Setzel, the, the legislation sponsor, and other conservatives who backed it? What are they saying? You know, so Ed Setzler um, immediately went on Twitter and um, kind of a, a refrain of the anti-abortion group is that um, abortions occur at a higher rate among black women. Um, and so he was saying that he was, you know, sad to see that Sister Song, women of color being the lead plaintiff. Um, and I think the quote was, with 19 million black children killed since 1973, I'm sad that Sister Song is suing to, conti- to continue the killing. Um, so that's, that's his stance that's been... Um, that's been his stance. He, he speaks a lot at events about the impact of abortion in the black community. Um, you know, uh, at a recent event, you know, he invoked Plessy versus Ferguson saying that um, the Supreme Court ruled initially that separate but equal was okay. And after 50 years, you know, Brown versus Board of Education came in and changed things, changed things, and in his words, you know, righted a wrong, and that's something that he believes will happen in this case. Yes, it's been almost 50 years since Roe versus Wade was decided, but now, you know, things can change at the Supreme Court level. So, so that's kind of been his stance. Other um, anti-abortion groups um, have kind of echoed that that similar um, statement and then double down on their belief that including that, quote, personhood language in the law is what's going to make Georgia's law be the one to eventually overturn Roe versus Wade and and make it be allowed to go into effect in Georgia. And we saw Thursday from from separate uh, Supreme Court rulings on gerrymandering and the census question. Just how just how uh, n- different the dynamic in the Supreme Court is now that there's a five four advantage for conservative leaning justices. How it helped conservatives in one case, and and John Roberts, the Chief Justice, was the swing vote on the census question going the other way. So um, who knows if slash when they take up the abortion cases, how they'll rule. Um, but it will be very interesting. And, and you mentioned those anti-abortion groups. Georgia Life Alliance is one of them. They said, we are not surprised, we're ready, and we will fight. And then um, the Family Pol- Policy Alliance, the Georgia chapter, said, our hope is that the judicial system will end an era of tyranny and allow our state to protect its citizens. So they are ready for this legal battle. They're girding for it. And uh, I imagine that you'll be spending a lot of time following it in court. So what are you expecting for what's next? Um, so they filed the initial lawsuit today. Um, they, it, you know, in their um, lawsuit, they mentioned that they want this, you know, immediate halt to the law going into effect, as well as keeping it from going into effect overall. Um, but they still need to make that motion. So I think in the next few weeks, um, they're planning to file that request for a hearing and a motion to have the, um, you know, temporary injunction mm-hmm. uh, go on to the CRO. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's that's going to be next step, that filing of that motion and then scheduling that hearing and finding out whether um, Judge Jones or another judge decides to grant that temporary restraining order. And so bottom line, is this, are we looking at months of legal fighting, years even, um, as we watch this wind through the courts? I mean, I, I anticipate 
years, um, especially if um, the folks who supported the bill from the beginning get what they want, which is to, to wind up at the Supreme Court. I definitely see this being a, a years-long legal battle. Well, hang in there. we got a long way to go. So rest up, Maya, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Well, that's all for this week's edition of the Politically Georgia podcast. Head to AJC.com forward slash politics to subscribe to Politically Georgia. You'll get access to our daily newsletter, along with all of our stories and updates on all things Georgia politics. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and rate us. It really means a lot to us when you do. And as always, thank you for listening. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word, AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.